I'm suiting up. Welcome to Dr. 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Deliver and Major Death. So music, it, music to my ears. Music awesome. Love love to nail it every week. Um, so why don't we go into last week's poll question? Uh, last week's poll question was great. We got we got uh, a few good responses. We were talking about late in the month legend pushes. We asked what was the latest in the month that you've hit legend or a new high rank. We had nine votes and we had other with, with as the winner with 67% of the vote but they were all like last minute legends they just wanted to tell us about them so they even though the 6 hours before didn't get any votes that's where that's where these came from uh itinerant wizard said first time wild legend was at midnight eastern 3 hours before the reset second time was last month hitting it at 1:30 a.m. 90 minutes before reset so cutting it a little <laughs> close uh, Lou Rolf said, I queued up a few hours before the end of the season, uh, 11.30 Eastern, to finish some quests. Hadn't given up had given up on what had been a tumultuous season. Ended up going 9-2 and two to Legend in a little over two hours. Nice. Nice. Slept like a baby that night, he says. <laughs> and finally, Adar Noir said, towards the end of, the, of last year, started the last day of the month, ranked 2, 2 stars. Only had two hours free. Uh, right at the end of the day, decided to chance it, went on a crazy 12-3 and three tear to hit Legend with 10 minutes to spare. Ooh, those those wow. are some fantastic stories. Yes. I, I like that last one. 12-3. 12-3. I, lo- I, I love those ripping off a, a nice win streak right on into, into Legend like that. That's God, that just, that just feels good because he, he had to have been playing well. He hit his matchups and he was, you know, like... I, I don't want to don't want to take away anything from him. Like I said, he was playing. I assume he was playing well, but man, to hit, keep hitting like matchups that are good for you, and even if he hit some bad matchups, he obviously pulled them out. So that's like that's like when you're like really in the zone. So congratulations, that's an awesome yeah. story. I can't Most. imagine just the very last like you know you have like 15 minutes left. You're queuing up your last game. You're like, all right, we gotta get this in real quick. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't let me find one of those those unicorn control warriors from back in Boomsday or something right. where it goes 45 minutes. It's like, oh my god, you're playing Elciana too, Jesus. <laughs> Ah, some people still so, do. <laughs> so, so those are those are the stories. We had a tw- uh, couple people voted for twelve hours before. Uh, one person voted twenty four hours before. So, uh, excellent, excellent uh, participation on this. Uh, we'll have another poll question at the end of this week's episode that we'd love to get your thoughts on. Exactly. So we are moving into the news. Um, so we got some stats today. Uh, the number of legend players down in May compared to April. And, um, I will go ahead and link the tweet that shows this, but, um, I'm going to go ahead and read off, uh, May's number compared to April's number. So the first number I will be saying is May. And then I'll be reading April's number. So in Asia Standard, uh, the Legend Ladder for May was 12,270, as opposed to the month before was 18,776. So that's about, I mean, that's 6,000 like, drop uh, like off. A third, a third yeah. down. Yep. Yeah. So Asia Wild, we had 1630 in May. As opposed to 250, 2252. So another big drop there. Uh, North America standard ladder legend was 20,016 in May and then 30,971. So uh, there's another third drop off. So, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Wild went from three four th- uh, thirty four hundred seventy seven in May, and it was four thousand four thousand five hundred thirty one. Saying all these numbers, big numbers, can <laughs> right. be hard. 
So, I mean, that's another, you know, at that's least about a, 20 to 25 percent, something like exactly. that. Exactly. So, I mean, it's still another thousand players that dropped off your legend. So, mm-hmm. uh, EU standard legend, uh, was. 38,978 in May, as opposed to 60,366. That's that's a decrease of over 20,000 players. Yeah. That is a a lot of players. Again, another about 33% drop off. Exactly. So EU Wild Standard or uh, the 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 EU Wild Legend had six thousand two hundred fifty seven in May. Go ahead and laugh. And uh, their April number was eight thousand sixty eight thousand seven hundred sixty nine. So again, another two thousand. Yeah, yeah. twenty five hundred. So yep. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I I knew the numbers were going to come down. I think it, you had to just look at kind of the confluence of events that occurred, new new expansion, uh, and a, a really powerful class that came with this new expansion. We have a new ladder. We have extra rewards on the ladder. We have a pandemic that's giving people a lot more time at home, presumably, so they could be playing video games. And uh, in, in all of this happened in April, and it's like I don't know how these numbers don't come down. Uh, and I'm I'm not sure where I thought those numbers would go to, but it, it's it, it down by twenty to thirty five percent across all of these is is uh, is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Here here's the wild here's a wild number. China standard legend. In May was ninety three thousand five hundred fifty two, as opposed to April, which was one hundred eighteen thousand two hundred forty seven. Whoo! Wow, that's a lot of legend players. That is a lot of legend players. It makes you feel a lot less spe- special to be a legend player in China <laughs> if your ranking is one thousand one hundred and like fifty three, like. Who, who lad? That is that crazy. That shows like how many people yeah. play this game. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, one thing I I do notice is that you know we we kind of saw this was coming. Regression was going to happen. Uh, but one thing I I do like to see is that you know we're still up from the old system, and that's not saying it's easier, quote unquote, to hit legend now. It's just that. It is takes a less time. You still need that same skill pl- level of a legend player to be able to hit legend. You just need a little bit less time, which is really nice and a lot more healthy for people that want to hit that every month or just want to go for it one month. You know. Yeah, having to win fifteen games as opposed to twenty five is a big quality of life difference. So um, I feel like it's a lot less stressful and three stars in every rank kind of makes things just easy. So, um, Oh, you know, easier on the mind is what I'm saying. It's, it's less, it's just less stress. There's each game's not that pressure at at high pressure. And each floor isn't like you go from rank one to rank two. You're like, okay, well I, you know, if I fall the way back down to rank three, it's three games I have to win to get back to rank two, and then three more games to win back to back to one instead of ten. So, so, so one thing we were seeing too that I think actually is really good is that the multiplier that you get is based a lot more on your MMR than your actual where you finished on the ladder. Mm-hmm. So if you play, didn't play much but the win rate that you had against like opponents was good, then your, then your number went up uh, or, or at least stayed the same and, and likely went up. So, you know, we're talking about how much easier it is once you get to diamond five to get to legend. But like, if you're at a, at like a seven X modifier or something like that, 
you're probably not going to get legend this month unless you crush a lot of games because mm -hmm. that last entire diamond plus you know part of platinum is going to be with no extra stars but if you if the the work that you put in is good and you have a good mmr based on the games that you are playing it does seem like you're going to get rewarded and you're going to get you know an 8x or a 9x sort of sort of modifier so that you'll have a better you'll you'll have that streak longer even if you didn't necessarily maybe get all the way to diamond or something like that because we're seeing people that you know the that uh you know still got the 10x if they got didn't quite get to legend or you you saw people that were you know, maybe didn't play that much, but they played a bunch in, in April. They still got their 10X modifier, even though, you know, they only made it into gold or, or, or platinum or something. So, so here's here's a question. My my main question and one thing that kind of has been worrying me is like, say I don't hit Legend in a month, but I hit di Platinum 5. Am I guaranteed for 10 stars then, or do I have to hit Legend to be guaranteed 10 stars? So with that, uh, I believe it strictly is still based off of your MMR. Uh, so with you, say you take a, a complete month off, there mm -hmm. won't be a decay unless I think a three or four months. He didn't, uh, I think it was Celestalon that said... Uh, you know, if you can take some time off of Hearthstone and still have your modifier and it won't decay until a certain threshold, but he didn't elaborate on when that threshold was. Um, but one thing to know is that um, even though, because uh, I believe someone hit gold four and had an 11 times multiplier the following month. Uh the, yeah, okay, uh, yes. The reason being is because this was somebody's... Uh, they play on normally Europe. They went to Asia or NA, one of the other two uh, regions, and they had a one-times multiplier, but they started just playing on that account. Okay. And probably had an 80 to 90% win rate, so they realized I, I, their system is probably smart enough because they were 11 times on the EU server as well. And then bumped them up to that as well on NA. So gotcha. it really goes based more off of M MR than it does um, your actual finish. Nah. Well, I mean, at this point in time, I'm like, I'm not going to anything less than 10 stars. So I guess it's legend every month now for <laughs> the foreseeable future. I, I can tell you that I hit, I hit legend in April in standard. I did not hit legend in in may in standard but i still got my 10x modifier in standard so yeah that's i assume that probably if you're in diamond your mnr mmr is going to be good enough for a 10 star bonus if you're in uh, diamond five or above that would be yeah. my guess mm -hmm. yeah i was i was at diamond three is where i peaked so. okay yeah so I mean it reward I mean it rewards you so yeah that's like I I don't think I'm going to see the 11 star bonus because I don't think I'm that good but 10 stars is good enough um and like I'll take the the you know the bonus 2 star you know the bonus star every time I win a match in diamond 10 through 10 through 5 so like I'm I'm fine with it. Uh so I I like the system. Um I mean I've hit legend 2 months in a row and I'm now at rank 2 one star. So like I'm yeah, already you've made some progress. Yeah, I'm trying to hit it as soon as possible. I want to see what happens like where I can enter legend. Last month I entered around like 3500 and I ended at like 13,000. Um I kind of I kind of took a dive at the end of the month. I was hanging around like five to six thousand for most of the month, and then like I just caught some a, a real bad lose, losing streak, and I wasn't playing my best, and I ended up at like sixteen thousand. But the last couple of days, I fought back with uh, Bomb Warrior, so 
Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see where I enter. So that's kind of why I've, I've been pushing a little bit harder than normal. So mm-hmm. yeah, last month I did a lot of you know lineup prep and uh, things of that sort and uh, co-oping. And I finally, towards the, like the last week of the month, decided, you know what? We just did a podcast on Hitting Legend. Let me just make a quick push. Play 57 games with a 68% winner, I think I said. But Hit Legend, and um, I, I think I entered at like 2,000, but I did get the 11 times for this month. So that'll be fun to hit Diamond 5 and still have a 2 times. Yeah, going into legend, so that'll be nice to have a a forty percent win rate going into legend. So that'll be a blast. <laughs> yep, I just you just grab it one time and you never let it go. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be my hope if and when I get it. So I yeah. did. I, I I did get it in wild though. So right. don't ask yes. me how because. I mean, I mean, what, like, it takes a lot of patience and skill to make it to wild, but a lot less people are trying to make it in wild. So it's a lot easier to get in to the higher, the lower ranks of wild ladder, I've noticed. Um, once you actually hit legend, because there's just less people playing legend or wild. So the numbers are lower. Um, and I say this out of respect and not as like, well, it's easy to get to legend or wild. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Well, I, I heard, I heard what you said. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. You hear that wild players <laughs> out there, direct your DMs <laughs> at Derek Alcala. It's yes. It's my fault. Um, no, <laughs> yes. It's, it's just, there's less people playing wild and so there's less people in legend. So it's easier in the sense that like once you get there you're going to you have less competition to like just looking there's 34,000 or 3,477 and if the top 1,500 get the 11x you know modifier it's a little bit it's a little bit different it's based on an MMR level so okay and wild it's 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 different it's not a specific percentage of okay. wild players it is an mmr threshold okay well then i rescind that about that i assumed it was the same as standard because i know s- standards of what about the top 1500 they've said it's even lower than that i don't know if i've seen anything for that oh the I, number I that was, i thought it was the same for both wild and standard that it's basically they said something like an mmr of 3.0 or better and I, I don't know where that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you are correct. Those that's what gets you the eleven X. And so people have extrapolated that they uh, think based on that number okay. that it could be roughly the top fifteen hundred people should get you into that that threshold of an MMR of three or higher. Gotcha. Okay, so there's really no way to tell how, if you're going to get it or not. Okay. People have been top 500 and not get it, so who knows? <laughs> so basically, the only thing we know for sure is if you hit Legend, you get 10x stars. That's the only yeah. thing we know that, 100%. That does, seem, that does seem to be the case. I have yet to hear of a person say, I got Legend and then I'm only at like a 9x. I thought they confirmed that. I thought that was confirmed by Blizzard. That... There's a minimum number. Yes. There is a minimum number for hitting each of the ranks. And I think actually 9x is the, is the minimum for Legend. But I could be wrong. I want to say it's 10 and then Diamond 5 is 9. And it goes that, down. That like could that. be. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. Well, that makes that makes complete sense to me. So... Anyways, as we finish up talking about this, the China Wild Legend ladder um, had 59,751 in May and 84,809 in April. So another 30, you know, almost uh, 25,000 player drop there. So a lot of people playing in China. So 
<laughs> in other yeah. news, we have the Dalrine Heist is on sale for 25% off. Um, there's no specific card reward like Galkron's Awakening, but 15 Rise of Shadow packs and get a gold classic pack along with the card back for completing the regular version. Um, so if for some reason you didn't end up getting it way back during the Rise of Shadows and stuff, and you maybe need uh, some some legendaries or, or want some more cards from Rides of Shadows, this is potentially a way that you could get those. Now that now, now that you have the uh, the the pack no duplicate things, this this could actually be a decent way of getting some of the epics or a legendary that you may have not have gotten during during Rise of Shadows. It's fun too. It's very enjoyable. I would um, I I think they're moving away from paying for solo content, but um, I felt like I got my twenty bucks worth buying it at the time and pre-ordering it and getting it so um i would recommend it especially at 25 percent off yeah it's it's worth it it's a good it's a good funny um solo adventure so yeah i i didn't think i had this and i went to go buy it just because it had packs so i can't help myself but <laughs> Went to it and I had already got it, and I don't think I've played any of it actually. <laughs> so you, so you have fifteen packs sitting in limbo, basically. Probably, yeah. I need to go play that. So it's worth it. It's fun. It's very, very amusing, and uh, Cadgar is amusing, and everything. It's just, it's very, yeah. it's very humorous, and. Um, it's just it's just a good time. I think all the solo adventures in Year of the Dragon were a lot of fun. Um Galcron's Awakening being particularly fun as the the top off and you get to see the like the branching paths of like mm-hmm. what if the League of Evil wins and no spoilers if the good League or you know, League of Explorers wins, so very yeah. it's 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 a good time all around. So I, I would recommend if you're looking for some soul content between now and Ashes of Outland, which comes out next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, it's coming up soon. I saw... Yeah, I was going to say, I saw someone, I think last week, said it was two weeks out. So, uh, this is just me casually browsing Twitter, not not totally <laughs> paying attention, so... <laughs> Good thing you're not the one currently talking while you're doing this. Exactly. I mean, I'm an expert. <laughs> we are professionals. Don't <laughs> exactly. try this at home, folks. Don't He's try this. A professional. I am a professional amateur podcasting guy thingy. Yes. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> the new title. Yeah. <laughs> professional amateur podcasting thingy guy. Yes. Um so That's last good. Last week we missed um, Hearthstone Deck Tracker update adds icons of the card that adds in the hand of your opponent. So it links it to, it shows if it was generated by Zephyrus, if it was generated by Galkron's Wit. It doesn't just show that it was a generated card. You can actually see what generated it. So that kind of is very nice to... Super nice. Yeah, that's like a really great one because before you just see the gifts and you're like, what generated that again? I don't remember. Oh, that was <laughs> I mean, Evil Miscreant. Yeah. It's like, oh crap, I'm playing Priest. God only knows where that came from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wait, was I running High Priestess Mod or, oh wait, oh god, no. So. But Can, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really small, uh, but, but it's big enough that you can tell like a pharaoh cat or mm-hmm. the little thought steel it's a little graphic of whatever the card was that created it and and it's mm-hmm. so it comes really comes in handy when you're when you're playing and and you're trying to trying to remember what generated cards in the hand what where they might have come from and so you're trying to play around something so 
if what, you're if you're using Hearthstone deck tracker, you've probably updated and you've probably seen this, but we definitely wanted to call it out because it's a it is a very nice quality of life feature that uh, that they've added to the to the to the uh, tracker. So can I call something else out before we go into our main topic? We we're just talking about generating cards and priests. When did priests start being able to generate uh, the uh, invoke cards and the fate weavers off of um, invokes? Because that wasn't always the case. Like I remember playing priests and like, mm-hmm. well, I have two fate weavers and I have two uh, disciples of Galakrond. Now you can disciple of Galakrond into disciple of Galakrond. And that wasn't the case. You used to not be able to generate invokes. Correct. Right. Uh, it was probably a month, last month, or a yeah, month it was. Before, no, where, it was last month for so, sure. Where so they what? had a patch where they allowed for you to be able to discover invokes and stuff like that. So, like for example, Ethereal Lackey could discover. Galakron's Awakening, the Druid, or not Druid, the Warrior uh, Invoke spell. And likewise with Priest, same thing happens to where it's a random minion, so now you're actually able to. The reason why it wasn't in there before was because of Arena, and they didn't want people to be discovering these Invoke cards that did absolutely nothing because Galakron isn't in Arena. Yeah. But they, the, they the other out. issue is it, it didn't work right. They actually implemented this right or shortly after Descent of Dragons, and I think even before Galakron's Awakening occurred. And they did it, and it wasn't working properly. So on the server side, they disabled it, and they went back to the drawing board and and fixed it. It only happens so so they fixed it. So now the only way you can get uh, generate invoke cards is if you're playing a, a Galakron deck. So, so uh, since, I've, since you can't right. play an Al- Galakron deck in Arena, you can't actually generate an invoke card. Gotcha. I've never seen an ethereal, uh, ethereal lackey generate a spell that invokes Galakron. I have never seen that. Like, I've not seen a praise Galakron or a uh, seal fate off of it. So the way the way I understood it, I thought it only applied to minion generation. That okay, you could minion generate an invoker, but you couldn't necessarily with a spell. I I, I hmm. could be wrong about that, but and that was maybe part of the 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 discussion on that. But I definitely saw Celestalon was talking about this, and, and he actually was the one that. You know, people went to when it was mm-hmm. initially not working correctly, and he said that it was disabled, and 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 he did make mention before it got reintroduced with one of the patches we had, uh, mm-hmm. uh, with one of the updates early last month. Um, that's that's what I thought. That makes sense because I've never seen anyone generate a spell that invokes, but I've seen priest. Obviously, this applies to priest pretty much in priest alone. Right. Um, I've seen priests, you know, generate disciples of Galakrond and the, uh, fate weavers, which are the other ones that used to not yeah, generate off Galakrond. I, I just was curious as to when it was. And I was like, I don't remember us talking about it. And then I just remember last month playing priest and like, what, why am I, I shouldn't be invoking this or I shouldn't be able to generate these, but so it was one of those things where I don't think it actually made it into the patch notes. It was just something that uh, he mentioned on Twitter because people were asking about it. They're like, "Wait, hey, wait a minute!" Okay, I just played a dis- I, I just played a priest who played you know three or four disciples of of Galakron and and played you know uh, you know multiple fate weavers and stuff. And it's like, how how did this happen? And and uh yeah sorry i've been meaning to bring that up on the show for like two weeks and it just keeps like i i don't remember it when we're talking about it before the show and then i just miss it while we're on the show but this was was a perfect time to talk about it so 
All right, so let's move on to our main topic this week, which is the Adult Learning Method, or ALM. Uh, so, uh, Deliver, you brought this to our attention, so I will let you take the reins on this one and be our guide through the ALM. Right. Um, I don't know how familiar you are. You all are with uh, Jared Tindler's uh, The Mental Game of Poker. I am zero percent familiar. So you're talking to someone before before you mentioned this today has never seen those three letters not followed or preceded by R E. <laughs> I've, I've actually got the audio book and I've listened through it once. And so the 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 what we're going to talk about, I have a a passing familiarity with, mm-hmm. and I probably need to go through it again. So. So you have yeah, someone be a good refresher. I was gonna say you so you have someone who's never heard of it and then someone who's familiar with it, but not an expert. So Yes. Okay. Uh so basically if you haven't heard about it before, uh the adult learning method uh is comes in four levels unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscience competence, and unconscious competence. So you have your matrix of these four different things and uh, you're, we're going to go through them step by step. Uh, now, level one, uh, unconscious incompetence. So this is you don't even know what you don't know. Uh, and, you know, for some players, ignorance is bliss. You know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So I'm Flying playing perfectly. by the seat of your pants and just <laughs> going. Exactly. Um, and the way you get to... Level two, which is conscience incompetence. Now you've become conscious of what you don't know. That doesn't make you skilled. It just means that you know what skills you need to improve upon. You become conscious through reflection. And this is uh, the step that we kind of reviewed with the uh, Medes uh, chart and um, how after every game you reflect on, you know, what was the most important turn of that game, you know. Um, what uh, what decision led to you winning or losing? Uh, and you know, once you start doing re- more reflections, you start knowing what you don't know. You start um, noticing patterns. Uh, level three, conscience competence. If you've reached this level, it means you've worked on this skill and have had enough rep- repetition to gain some skill. The only catch is that in order to be skilled, you need to think about what you've learned. Otherwise, you return to being incompetent. So you can't just tell yourself, okay, I know that I need to be more tempo and more proactive onto the board because that's why I'm losing games. So in order to win this game, I just need to do that. And then, okay done with that i have addressed that issue in my life and hearthstone i could play tempo like like nothing i understand that no you're going to forget about it and you're going to be back at step one where you don't know that you're actually not playing enough tempo for example i I Uh, think of it like i actually have these little post-it notes that remind me plan ahead don't anchor on a play Mm -hmm. these are things i have literally visually in front of me and things that I have to tell myself between turns, between games, during games, that sort of thing. Because if I don't, then I'm going to regress back and not think about those things. And and suddenly, you know, things go, bad things start happening when I play games. And for for the listeners, that flapping noise was an actual post-it note. Yeah, there was, there's, (laughs) there's, there's, there's three of them on my, it, after 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 a coaching session uh, last month, I, I took some notes. I and I have them actually uh, affixed to my monitor, so I will not. So I look at them every game. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's little things you pick up like that. You know, that's you. Um, you know, putting in the repetition into that to be able to get to level four, which is unconscious competence, to where. At this point, you've learned something so well that it is totally automatic and requires no thinking. You know, to be able to get to level four, this is um, for equivalent. You know, you have a 
so let's say for let's keep on the tempo train you know you've played enough games to where okay i need to play my turn you know, one drop two drop three drop um you know we'll go one drop coin three drop into three drop to kind of smooth out the curve and you know we get stronger tempo that way because we're going to lose tempo and this things happen kind of more automatically as you get more familiar with the game and just put more repetition into it um you know it, it to kind of get an idea of how this can be applied to hearthstone you know how much did you know the first time you played hearthstone let's kind of take a back trip to memory lane you know how did you go into your first game of standard ladder on hearthstone what did that look like Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I had I had a buddy there who had um, introduced me to the game, and he kind of walked me through it. He basically played the game without touching the mouse. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it had been a while since I played a card game. So, literally, it had probably been. Uh, yeah, about 10 years at that point in time since I had actually physically played, uh, a card game like this. So, um, I was rusty as all get up and I don't think I ever really, um, learned any of the core mechanics of a card game, like tempo and board presence. And like, I never thought about that. Like I was just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of would net deck and play games and kind of not so much think of things in those standards and in, in that way. But, you know, so yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting, but I was, I knew almost nothing when I started playing Hearthstone. Basically I was square one. So this was this was my first card game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had just gone through the tutorial, and I was, uh, I probably it's one of those things where I was probably playing mage, and I'm probably one of those players that arcane missiled on turn one. That oh, that I yes. because because you know, doing three damage to face because the opponent didn't put a minion out just means oh my god three damage. Three points closer to death. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get this guy playing the one one and getting a card like the novice, uh, novice engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. That's just, just fantastic. But I'm just gonna, sh- you know, ship everything face and not really worry about minions too much. And you know, hey, if they stay on the board long enough that they get to hit face, even better. <laughs> yeah, my my first. Uh card game was magic um so i had a little background but i played jank because i'm like oh look at this cool combination so what do i do when i first get into hearthstone is look through the collection what do i see divine spirit oh oh this goes with inner fire oh this is incredible why do people know about this <laughs> i'm not saying this on the no list. nobody knows about this <laughs> So you brand you know, new to the game have just blown it wide open. That's right. So what I, do you mean? What do you mean? Divine spirit, inner fire. What? Those two uh, cards can be used together. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I tried playing that. And if I didn't get a minion to stick, I lost because I didn't know how to build decks. I didn't know how to, um, play against uh, quest rogue every time i saw one i instant conceded <laughs> <laughs> oh now I, I feel sorry for you yeah you jumped in at quest rogue oh sorry yeah. yeah that deck felt really unfair i didn't have the dust to make it so i just said okay well i'm just not gonna play against it so that's where i was square one um now i don't know why i still don't do that against priests to be perfectly honest with you <laughs> i'm just not sure I have definitely wanted to a few times, but I haven't done that yet. Because yeah, it's pretty- because it's just a, such a slow burn that you <laughs> think you might get there. You That's just right. think you might get there. You're like, okay, I've got it. I've got it. They've got two cards left in their hand. As so long as one of those cards is a soul mirror. God, this is soul mirror. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why you keep playing against priests. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, now... 
Let's think about the complexity of your thought process from when making decisions now compared to when you first started trying to improve. Okay. Yeah. There, there wasn't much there. I was like, how can I do incredibly janky stuff and have fun? <laughs> and just like, like, not that I'm not trying to have fun anymore, but I sometimes am like, Maybe I shouldn't be playing anti-keelbot OTK combos. <laughs> or corrupted heelbot, sorry. I was definitely not thinking about like value trading and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was perfectly content trading my guy in for their guy and both of minions dying. And, you know, starting to play Zulok, I learned real fast that, you know, one of the ways you get ahead on the board and can ultimately win games is you look for value trades. You look for ways of two for one, three for mm-hmm. one, your opponent with their with the minions. And so the the first kind of things I started thinking about was, you know, how do I keep my minions alive? Because if I keep minions alive, that means that they keep get to get to keep going face or could protect my face from getting hit and so mm-hmm. that yeah there's it it got to be it, it's obviously quite complex now but like definitely early on it was one of the first epiphanies i was was shared with me is like minions are sustainable damage you keep a mm-hmm. minion on the board they can keep going face whereas that spell that you just used to go face can only do it once Correct. Yeah. Of course, now we have Echo, so, you know, yeah. and things like that, but Twin Spell and all this sort of things. I mean, back in 2014, 2015, when I started playing the game, I the decks that attracted me more than anything were control decks. Um, so I think my mindset um, was basically, how do I always have an answer for what my opponent's doing and not realizing that, hey, even though I'm, you know, the reactor in this deck, if they don't do something here, maybe it's a good time for me to extend onto the board or like, what are they going to possibly do to punish me? Or, you know, can I push in and not trade? What happens if I don't trade and just push face and make them take the trade you know those kinds of things like what are what are the punishes so i thought it was just like gotta clear the board gotta outlast them no matter what so that's kind of where i was very early on in the game Mm -hmm. yeah and like those are really good examples of just uh this process we all do it we just don't think about it um for example value trading and um being proactive onto the board those are things we do automatically now we don't have to think about okay how do i value trade how do i be proactive these are just things oh i know how to do that this goes here um for instance for me you know i i struggled a lot with overextending a lot when i first started trying to get better um you know i I wouldn't think about oh this is going to be horrendous in the brawl so i would just keep throwing big stuff out there oh they can't do it i got this. seven spots on this board man they, that's right they, should, they need to all be filled <laughs> and uh you know that's something now where i think about like no i can still set up lethal by not playing anything you know i don't need to keep throwing stuff out there and losing a bunch of value so you know it's things that you know we slowly start, you know, getting this unconscious competence uh, through repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what is a mistake you've recently discovered in your own play? Um, I always, I always struggle and always have to kind of remind myself that my life is also a resource that can be used. That, like, I don't have to clear the board. Um it's not necessarily the end of the world if I get hit for eight. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as I am advancing my game plan and trying to push myself closer to to victory or set up the best possible chance I can to win a game. Like if I have, just an example, if I have Warglaze Vazanoth and to clear my opponent's, my other Demon Hunter's board takes me down to six... 
well, I mean, I'm just dead on board if I don't do that. So my best chances to win the game are to clear his board and set up my own counter lethal. So like I can use my life as a, a resource. And that's kind of one thing that sometimes I get a little too wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. So my first, when you first said your life is a resource, my, my mind went straight to f- mental fatigue <laughs> and which is a good one. I was like, Oh yes. wow, he's getting real deep right now. But, but uh, just with everything going on, mental fatigue, yes. Yes. Uh, it is a resource, so make sure you're not just jamming games and smashing your head against the wall, everybody. <laughs> All right. What about H- you, Mage? So, I, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I have a sticky note here that says don't anchor on a play. I mm. I will set up a turn in my head a lot of times before my turn starts and no matter what i draw i'll think that's the play i'm going with and and i need to think about what the draw that i had how is that better can can a better play happen as a result of that and or what does how does that impact do i now suddenly go into a burn plan where I'm trying to race my opponent or, or is this the key card that I needed uh, for, for being able to, to, to close out a game or something. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I also would tell you, I, I definitely tend to think defensively. And so I'm trying to, trying to be more or less defensive when it comes to that. And, and, you know, trying to, practice at the school of Zelay of just going face and see what happens sort of thing. And so, so yeah, those are, those are things that, that, that I think about and have written down in front of me. So I don't keep making those mistakes. Yeah. Your opponent can't do anything if they're dead. So great words of Zelay. Um, yeah, personally for me, I've noticed recently that, um, I don't value weapon charges as much as I should. Um, I, I've learned this more with Demon Hunter than I used to, for instance, because the hero power, um, before on turn three, sometimes I would just have Umber Wing because of, you know, I top deck it or something. So the hand gets a little clunky. I'll hero power, Umber Wing, hit face or hit a minion that, you know, I could have otherwise, but I've learned now, well, those weapon charges are nice because they slowly leak into Gladebound Adept on curve, etc. So I'm just going to swing with my face first, then equip Umberwing. Something very subtle, but something that you know I just became aware of. So now I need to focus on it with more repetition to where eventually that's just unconscious competence for that. Yeah, I think I could get better at that too, is swinging before I equip Umberwing. That's definitely one for sure. Yeah, it's something that I didn't re- even realize. You know, I was at level one with this, uh, and uh, a buddy of mine said, why'd you swing there with the weapon? I'm thinking, because it's too damaged to the face. They can't do anything if they're dead. I'm Demon Hunter. But, you know, they, they you know, realize, you know, they showed this to me to where finally I got that realization and said, oh, yeah, no, you are correct. To lose that one damage, sense. you can gain a weapon charge, which may make your next two turns even better right as a result yeah Yeah, sometimes sometimes i'll just hold because usually when i'm thinking about equipping umberwing i'm thinking about equipping it on two um and sometimes i will hold that final charge um i might not even swing it the turn i drop it if i have a satyr overseer in my hand and i have if i have a satyr overseer and i have a um glaivebound adept and I don't have Twin Slice in my hand, I will probably hold on that charge unless I absolutely need it um, to turn five. I mean, and, and that's just what I'm thinking about is like the mirror. I'm probably going to use it before turn five because the board is everything in that matchup. Right. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's definitely, you know, you get to work on these the macro of your game and also the micro of the game just you know big picture and just the small little things that you know can give you that little extra percentage um so you know we we kind of touched on this from 
you know, from when we first started to now, but uh, what mistakes do you not make any more recently? Uh, I wish I could say counting up lethal, but that doesn't actually <laughs> happen because I missed, I thought I had lethal last night and uh, it turns out I was one off because math is hard apparently. I I mean, I, I wish I could say something here, but I'm still making mistakes. I mm-hmm. need to slow down. Like that's one thing I need to slow down and do all the math on my turn. Uh, I've been playing Demon Hunter, so especially when I'm planning doing an altruist turn and counting on all the damage to go through, like, I've been trying to do that, but sometimes the top deck will throw me off and I'll end up messing up what I intended and doing just because my chain stops one way or the other and I don't have enough mana to finish it, so... Um, I, that's, I think that's what I need to do more than anything is just slow down. Um, I play too fast 90% of the time. In in all seriousness, I think one of the mistakes I don't make anymore is I, I don't, I, I, I definitely think about what my opponent is capable of doing. Almost to paralysis, I have to say, unfortunately. (laughs) That's uh, that's fair. That's a good point. I I'm much more aware of what my opponent can do to answer me. Right. And, and so so I don't think like a lot of times like I don't think I overextend into a big AoE turn if a class is capable of doing a big AoE turn unless I know that that's the thing I have to do given given my current hand state or that. But mm-hmm. but like I would go, you know, all out into a flame strike turn or into a brawl, you know, with mm-hmm. with complete disregard to the possibility of a brawl and those sorts of things. I don't think that's a mistake I make anymore. And I and I and I definitely don't arcane missiles to the face on one anymore either. That, that's, that's a good that's one. A thing that doesn't happen. I am proud of you for that. So <laughs> <laughs> I've grown as a player. What yeah, can I say? Exactly. And uh, you know, speaking of which, you know, uh, how we grow with this method. Uh, it, you know, being conscious of how we learn uh really improves our a game b game and c game um if you've listened to other podcasts they may have mentioned this sort of uh game theory before where you know your a game is you know you knew exactly you read exactly what your opponent had in their hand you're you know you know exactly how to win this game you play them perfectly they don't have any more threats uh you know top of the world you're playing your best game B games where you're going to be playing most of the time, you know, you might have a slight mistake here or there, but, you know, all in all, steady ship, you know, you're playing your normal game. NC game, you know, you're having a rough day and, you know, you're missing lethal, you know. my A couple days ago, I was having a very, very bad C game night where two games in a row, I missed counted lethal by one because for some reason i thought kane did four damage and not three <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but um you know this gives us the the inchworm effect so we're uh kind of trying to give you a visual on an audio form matt um you know your b games where you're going to be most of the time so it's going to be the highest on the chart where you know sometimes you play your a game sometimes you play your c game if you constantly work on your A game, how to, okay, how am I going to constantly be able to read my opponent's card, et cetera, et cetera, you know, sure, you know, you're going to stretch that out and you're just going to be kind of more of a flat line where sometimes you're playing insane, but, you know, sometimes you're playing not. And so your B game's all over the place. Um, being able to improve your C game, you know, how... You know, we go over our unconscious incompetence and, you know, make that competent, uh, you know, play, you know, gives us a better understanding of growth and slowly makes it easier for our A game to get better if our C game gets better as well. Yeah, yeah. So you're low. It's basically the the idea of uh chain or offense is only as strong as its weakest link right mm-hmm. kind of thing like 
yes, you're going to you're going to be better because when you're at your worst, you're still good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's some people that play out of their mind 24/7 and you know, everyone has a C game floor, you know. You see it on GMs. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, everyone misses lethal, you know, high pressure situations, your C game comes out more often, you know, where you mm-hmm. get those final bosses where okay, I'm about to hit my new personal best and you're going to be more likely to make more mistakes. But if you've made your C game better, your those pressure moments get easier. That or, that type uh, Go ahead. Say maybe when you're tilting a little bit, that's when your C <laughs> game comes out. And so mm-hmm. being able to think about and maybe better control your tilt and things like that means you can stay away from the C game and kind of go back into your B game, which is where you were before all that sort of happened. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that ties everything together. This is why we're talking about this, because the unconscious if you can improve the unconscious and get better at these things, then when you're at your worst, it's a lot better than when you were at your worst before. And everyone slips. Like I would not like to meet a person who doesn't at least get somewhat invested in this game and tilts every now and then. So, um, you know, like, you want to win. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested and have somewhat of a competitive spirit because, I mean, that's why we're here. We're we're all trying to get better at this game. So, Absolutely. Any last thoughts on the subject? Okay. I think this is a. I think this is a great exercise to that. Some of the questions that Deliver asked, I think I would definitely think about as as you're listening to this. Think about those things. Maybe maybe go back and and like write down some of this these things and and then check back in on it in a month or two and and, and use it as a way to to think about the things that you make mistakes on or the things that you're that you don't necessarily worry about, but maybe you know just kind of checking in with yourself and your Hearthstone game and, and, and it will help you improve. Yeah. I like the idea of writing it down. Uh, like mage mage has a sticky notes to his monitor. So like to write, remind himself because it's easy to forget. You have 75 seconds on your turn. It's not exactly the hardest thing in the world to forget good habits right. and like good behaviors. So all right, uh, well, let's go into this week's poll related poll question. Here we go. All right, so we went through, talked about the uh, adult learning method, and we talked about your A game that that when everything's going right, you're clicking, feeling like you're you're seeing the seeing the the matrix, all that sort of stuff. Your B game where you normally are more often than not when you're playing. But then we talked about your C game. This is when you're starting to tilt, when you're not, when you're making mistakes. We want to know where do you personally see your Hearthstone C game at? If you were to, if you were to rank where your C game is at on on our new ladder system, where would you, where would you say you're at as a, a when you're when you're playing your C game? Are you a bronze level player? Are you a gold level player? Are you a platinum level player or are you a diamond level player? Those are your options. Let us know where you think you are. I I actually think I'm probably in the gold area to be, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I think that's where, I think that's where my C game is. Maybe on the higher end, but I don't know. It's some, something I'm going to have to think about more. But that's, and first impression, that's where, where I think I'm at. What, what? What would my answer be if, uh, for say, I would classify my C game as a dumpster fire? <laughs> uh, I think there needs to be a write-in for dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like you're, if you're like me, sometimes you feel like you're a dumpster fire when you play. So feel free to read that, write that in, and tag me, and I will make sure you get a specific shout out on next week's show. 
Hashtag dumpster fire. <laughs> Anyways, you can find the show on Twitter at Dr3HS. You can email the show uh, on Gmail at Dr3HS at gmail.com. And you can find myself at Daring Alkaline, where I post stuff occasionally. So, nothing too exciting there. I'm going to warn you right now. So, But, you know, hey, come hang out. Shout out. And uh, recently I've been talking to Nate Wolf from uh, Born to be Wild, Into the Wild from the past, about Sierra Games. So, if you like Sierra Games, come saw, hang out saw, and we can talk I about Sierra that. Games. because. I I bleed Sierra Green. Like that's that's me. That that's my childhood right there. So yes, that's the kind of wacky stuff I'm gonna be talking about on Twitter. So uh deliver where we can we find you? Uh you can find me on Twitter at deliver underscore HS. And Mage wrap us up. You can find me on Twitter at Mage of Death. In our Discord, of course, come check out. We've been we've been talking a lot in the yeah. Discord this week, and definitely would love to hear your thoughts uh, on Hearthstone or non Hearthstone related things. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can find me at on Twitch at twitch.tv slash majordeath. Hey, and ridiculous hat's been hanging out too, so that's cool. If you want to come talk to Rick, ridiculous hat from Coin Conceit, he's hanging out in Doctor Three Discord as well. So. That man is everywhere. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's not specially there, but I'm just saying, if you want to yes. talk to Ridiculous, yes. you can also do it in Doctor 3, which is probably a little bit less clogged than Coin Concede. And you get to talk to us, too. Yes, yeah, we're yeah, there, too. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're second fiddle, but we're a nice second fiddle. Also. Exactly, exactly. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening this week. We really appreciate you tuning in. And as always, you've been listening to Dr. Three. Boom.